Hello, and welcome to the Pep Talk. You're here with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason, talking everything Manchester City, also known as the three-time reigning Premier League champions. How you feeling, Jason? Yeah, man. Good. Good, good, good. Had a couple of rubber games to, you know, as you say, wet the beak. Um, nothing, n- nothing really that came out of it, but looking forward to the two finals coming up and you know, another end of the Premier League season, you know, back to back to back, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's always nice to say and it's always nice to be part of that company because that, um, you know, winning three in a row is, is very, very hard to do. Um, you know, if you look back where that first season that we won it, it's a completely different team, right? So, man, I'm happy. It's good. Uh, we are where we are and there's two big finals to look forward to now. How are you? Big finals. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, last time we talked, we've had two games since then, which were, you know, admittedly both dead rubbers in Brighton and Brentford. But yeah, I I was just honestly, I think the most important thing was get our guys some rest and make sure nobody gets injured. So looks like yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah, look, some people can argue that um you know, the rotation is a bit too much and rhythm, etc. going into the two finals. I think it's a good thing that, like I said in the, in the other pod last week, I think it's a good thing that we have the FA Cup final before the Champions League final. It gives us a little bit of time to kick that rhythm back in before the Champions League final. I, I feel like if we didn't have, if we had like Brentford and then we weren't in the FA Cup final, which means we'd have a two-week break before the Champions League final, I would actually would feel really bad how this last week but because we still got the FA Cup final, it makes me feel a little bit more calm about the whole thing. Um, because yeah, I you think know, when, Pep would have played it yeah. differently too. You yeah, know what I mean? Most, like, yeah, most likely he probably would have played a, a much stronger team against Brentford. I was surprised to be honest. I thought he would would have went um, very very strong against Brentford, only only because Brentford's style of play could be similar to how Inter Milan's going to set up. You know, they've, they've got some big players. They set up in a in a very defensive, and then they like to counter attack. Um, you know, it could have been a good, good way to get the players ready for that play style in a way. Um, but it looks like Pep prioritised just pure rotation, pure rest. You know, you have a lineup against Brentford. I don't think any of them start in the Champions League final except um, Ake and Edison. And Ake needed some minutes um, before going into those two cup finals. You know, after being injured, so to get the rhythm back. Um, so he got the sixty-three minutes in in this game. So you look at that lineup; no one's going to start. You, you you wouldn't expect anyone to start. Maybe Foden might come into one of the games, probably the FA Cup final. Um, but otherwise, I don't see any of them starting in the in the two finals. Yeah, I think the only other than Ake and Ederson, really the only ones I think that would even have a chance, even if it's a small chance, would be Foden or. Kyle Walker and I still don't think either of them will as long as long as Ake is fit for at least Kyle Walker's sake but who knows like maybe Pep sees something maybe Pep wants that pace out against Marcus Rashford and would rather have Walker in there than a Kanji I don't know maybe there's just a tactical reason maybe um maybe Luke Shaw isn't fit and he thinks Foden can just put Malassia in hell and he just wants somebody a little more direct out there. I again, like I said, I don't know. 
I wouldn't expect either of them to start, but those are the only other two I think that would even have a shot at starting. Is there a point of us talking about the niggles as being serious injuries? I I personally, like he said, Diaz hasn't trained in, you know, 10 days. To me, it's just like, yeah, okay, you're just giving everyone a rest. I I don't take those as like, yeah, he's injured. He might miss any of the finals. I'm I'm, I'm not reading it that way Um, because (laughs) three days before Pep saying that, he said everyone's fit. So, um, so for me, I, I, my reading of that is, yeah, he's just gonna, he needs an excuse to literally rotate the entire team out. I think the, that whole thing of, you know, Diaz is injured and Grealish has niggles. Uh, (laughs) Um, alcohol poisoning. (laughs) Yeah. For Grealish is probably what it is. Um, personally, I just think it's like, Players carry knocks throughout the year all the time. And like some of it or a lot of these are like where you don't even hear about them because the players can just play through them. And now that city is afforded the luxury of having three games at the end of the season where they can rest players ahead of two finals, all of a sudden they're like, what's the point of even risking that? You know, like whatever tiny little knocks they have, just, just sit them. And I think that's essentially what he did. Like a lot of these, like you see it in basically every sport. Like remember last year, Laporte, Laporte, like what did he have? Like a torn knee ligament or something like that and played the last couple months of the season. He, he He had to do surgery as soon as the season finished. Yeah. So these guys, like they carry tiny injuries throughout the season just because your body gets beat up so much, but most of it's fairly like, a lot of these you can just play through. Painkillers, etc. Yeah, either whether it's painkillers or it's just like it's not that big a deal. Something like that, you know? And yeah. I would expect that most of these guys would have played if these games meant something. I agree. Like, it's I, just, I agree. Just they're dead rubbers, so there's no point in risking it. Let them get their rest. And like a lot of these guys have barely had any time off. Really, since the World Cup, it's been like a game every three days, and the the lineups haven't changed that much. Like we know that Pep, you know, City has used less players in the Premier League, you know, before the last three games than he has any other team by a good distance. So like these guys are tired, man. And yeah, I, I think since that new, I think since that Newcastle game at home, we've basically been playing every three days. Um, and just going, you know, back to back to back games and like important games that you have to win, play with high intensity. So it's been like, you know, two or three months of just continuous high pressure games, high intensity games, games that you have to win or get a result, Um, especially the Champions League games that we've played. So, yeah, I agree with you. Look, it's, it's good to get the rest. There is that little tiny bit of worry where it comes to rhythm, etc., and you know finishing the season on a high note. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything. You know, we went into the twenty twenty one Champions League final um, having won our last game, I think five 0 against Everton. Um, so really, it doesn't it doesn't really bode or mean anything, or um, it doesn't. It's not like it's going to change how we're going to play. So it all comes down to on the day, you know, who's fit, who's not. Um, but otherwise, look, I'm 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 happy either way. I think we, it, it, I'm kind of glad we didn't like. I was always worried about those two games to begin with, um, the the Brentford and Brighton games prior to, you know, us 
closing the league up. I used to always look at those two games and go, those are two tough away fixtures. So to make them dead rubber games was fantastic because you could see how Brighton played against us. They're, they're such a good team. Um, even though it was a bit of a rotated side, it wasn't, you know, we still put some good players in there. I think we had Kevin De Bruyne, we had Haaland, we had Rodri, we had Stones. So we had a lot Gundogan. of good players. In, Gundogan. We had a lot of good players against, against Brighton. Although it was a bit, you know, it's a bit still not the full best lineup because you had Rodri and Stones playing centre back instead of midfield, um, so it kind of changes the way we play and obviously the, you know, what we're used to. But you can you can still see how, how much quality Brighton had with the chances they've created, with the with the pressure they put on us, with the way they move the ball around, the way they had more possession for a lot of time, a lot of the game. So, you know, I'm glad those two games basically meant nothing. In the grand scheme of things, um, you know, a bit of bit of training, bit of bit of uh, minutes for for the outfield players, you know, like Gomez, Phillips, um, Palmer, Foden, who hasn't who hasn't featured in the big games, um, you know, besides off the bench. So it's it's good to get those minutes and those legs. Um, the, like I said, the only thing I was surprised was I thought he might go into the Brentford game. Um, so my prediction was he'll rotate completely for Brighton, and then go full strength against Brentford to to get that rhythm and to get a bit of training against a similar team to how Inter Milan plays. But look, he's he done what he done. He prioritized the health and and the and the fitness of the players. And you can't you can't complain much more about that. Um but in terms of the games, like I know we lost one and we drew one. Um but I was happy with the performance against Brighton to be honest with the players that we had against Brentford, like I said, we had only I think one player that I, that might or two players that might start in the finals. The, that coming up, so it's a fully rotated side. So I, I really didn't expect much, um, and and in the grand scheme of things, the game meant nothing for us. Like there, there was no jeopardy at all. Um, even for Brentford, Brentford had the off chance of making European a European slot. So for them, the game kind of meant a little bit more. Um, they did need two teams to lose for it <laughs> for it to work. But look, they the way they played, they played really really well, um, and they deserved the win on the day. But for me, the only thing to talk about the game really is maybe Foden and Palmer, um, how they played. You know, Foden's been playing in midfield a lot, um, which is good to see. And it could be something that's like a bit of forbearing for next season. You know, is Foden going to play mid- midfield next season? So, I think let's start with Brighton and then we'll, we'll go into Brentford a little bit. So, with Brighton... I thought City played pretty well. And I think that was reflected in Pep's comments. Like the and not just that, that was one of the most fun games I've yeah, watched in quite yeah. some time. It was so yeah. much fun. Even if you're a neutral, that game was a blast to watch. Um but City played very, very well. And honestly, I think Brighton is probably the second best team in the league right now, if not really close to it. And yeah, they they came out there they played really well against a really good Brighton team Brighton did not finish off their chances which I'm happy about Ortega played well um but really overall I thought it was really good um I know Foden played on the left wing and he was wreaking havoc and then when he came off with you know a little niggle niggle whatever it is (laughs) um the level sort of dropped but I thought Palmer did a good job in general of deputizing for him it just you know Palmer's a good player, but he's not Phil Foden, so it's really no slight against him. But overall, I thought that that game was fun. Um, 
and then you know when and just entertaining for the neutral i i think all of you know that i am no <laughs> stranger to loving what brentford does like i just i love the way they play and you mean brighton brighton <laughs> not brentford. sorry not yeah. brentford yeah, uh, double base i love it <laughs> Yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun watching that game, watching the way Brentford play. Um, I love their players as well. I wish City picked up pick up a couple of them. Probably not, but I love their players. Yeah, look, look, Brighton played fantastic, um, and they've got some fantastic young to players as well. It'll be interesting to see who they keep um, after this season. You know. It's the problem with the, with these type of teams, um, like your, your Brighton's, your Southamptons back in the day. Um, they just get picked apart um, from the from the from the top of the pyramid. You know, there's already rumors that Cassiota is going to go. There's already rumors that McAllis is going to Liverpool. Um, <clears throat> there's rumors of um, like Ferguson. They want people are already looking at Ferguson, who's a who, who looks to be a good striker. So it's all about how they can hold on to these plays. Because um, I'm sure big teams are going to come for these players like Estupinian, um, Ferguson, McAllister, Casiedo, Delph. Really, really good players. Um, and I think Casiedo... And Ciso yeah, is incredible. Like, that yeah. strike against us was insane. Like, you just have to Matoma. stand up and applaud that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've, got, they've got fantastic players and it'll be interesting to see who they hold on. They've got Europa League next season. So, to me, they should be able to hold on to some of their players. Some of them have been there long enough where it's like, okay, we have to let you go. Um, like, McAllister has been there for like, what, three or four seasons now? So, I think At he's... At least, yeah. Yeah, he, he's definitely gone. Like, no matter what, he's gone for this season. Cassiato will be the interesting one because um, Arsenal did try to get him in January, but they, they rejected the 70 million offer or 75 million offer. So, that tells you how high they value him. Um, and I think he's a fantastic player, Cassiato. I... I actually would like him in this city team. I think he could. I don't think he he plays as a six, but I think he can do that eight role as well with a bit of with a bit of bit of you know if he plays under Pep, I think Pep can turn him into into like an eight. He'd be like a Kovacic more more than a like a Gundogan. He's not going to score goals for you. Casado. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's so he's so good on the ball and he's so good in those half turns. He's so good at receiving the ball. Um, I, I don't think City would, per, would at go, least personally. I don't. I don't, I don't think yeah, I don't think they'll go for him. I don't think they will go for him. I don't, I don't think. Honestly, it's, I think he would if, and it it wouldn't happen. But if Pep had him, I think Pep would look at playing him as like an inverted right back because Brighton's done that a couple times where he plays right back, but then he inverts basically the same way. You know, we have John Stones or Rico Lewis or whoever does that, and he looks brilliant. When he like a kid, like a kid, like a Kimmich star. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does really well that way. So, um, yeah. and it's not just about who can Brighton keep; it's can they keep up this brilliant recruitment? Because whatever they have done, like their recruitment's in, insane. Like, there's it's crazy, none of man. these dudes were high rated before they got <laughs> there. Like, Estupinian, I knew who he was because he was pretty good at Villarreal, but didn't really know how good like thought, oh he's a good young player but it's crazy man they lose incredible <laughs> and they lose, they lose players and then go sign other players that are better <laughs> yeah and like they they sell cucarella for 62 million and then sign a who looks better for 
like 10, 15 million. And what teams <laughs> what teams should do is look at who they're going to recruit for the replacement and go sign that player. <laughs> Seriously, like, so if they can keep up this, like that guy in CISO as well, just some random guy from Paraguay, like they, they just keep doing it. And if they can keep that up, it can be sustainable for a long time. The problem is a lot of these guys that work on the team will get picked off as well. So like that's true. Their recruitment guy, their head of recruitment will get maybe picked off by a bigger team. So it's hard to sustain because remember Southampton used to be like that. Yeah. It was Southampton like every single year Southampton had somebody they'd sell for big money. I don't think they were ever as good as this Brighton team. Like I don't remember the last time I've seen a team that's been, you know, recently promoted in the last five, ten years be this good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The only team that comes close to what Brighton's doing um, is Leicester, who just got relegated. So it, sh- it shows you how quickly um, a team can change um, from not getting the recruitment right, um, and that could easily happen to Brighton. You know, like they're right now, they're on, they're on, they run amazingly, and everyone's like, oh, you know, copy the Brighton model. In three seasons, they could be relegated. That's that's how crazy and quick it, football changes because you lose two, three big players. You go recruit three replacement players, and then suddenly your those three players that you replace are not as good as the other three players, and they they're not they don't feel they don't fulfill the potential that or or what you think they're going to give you, and then suddenly you're you're fighting relegation. That's what happens to these teams. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's, that, that's the reality of it. It's not that easy too to just say like, oh yeah, just copy what Brighton's doing. Like if it was that easy, everybody would everyone do will it. be doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's not that easy. But and and they've you got, got great to tip ma- your hat to what they've done. Yeah, and they've got a great manager as well. So like Graham Potter was is a good manager, um, and he fit what Brighton were doing. But then they replace Potter with even a better manager in Deserby. So it goes to show if you, you like if they lo- like I'm sure Deserby is going to get poached or he's going to go somewhere in about a year or two, right? So who comes in after Deserby for Brighton? So that that's another factor where it could affect their team, it could affect their recruitment. You know what I mean? Players right now look at Deserby and go, oh, "Yeah, I want to play for him because." His style of play suits how I play. But if they lose him, suddenly again, you're back in that same boat. Like, who, who do we bring in to replace him? It's it's all those things. So, look, right now they're flying high and they're in the Europa League, which is absolutely crazy. You know, like, you've got Tottenham, Chelsea, who are not playing Europe next season. So, there you go. And you've got the, Brighton the crazy, playing. I think the crazy thing is, is I, I don't know if I would even compare him to Leicester because... Leicester, they were underdogs, and they overperformed even that year, and the rest of the league was really down. Uh, but they still, like, I think they overperformed. Like, they were they were kind of the plucky, counterattacking team, and it got them through the season. Whereas Brighton, no, no, no. I would argue Brighton has underperformed this year. Like, Brighton goes into a game and basically dominates the game against almost every team. And yeah. I don't even think Leicester did that. Like Leicester would just catch people on the counter. To be to be fair to Leicester, though, you, you got to remember the the, the the few seasons after they the won the league. So when they won the league, they finished first. But the next season, they got picked off. So they lost um, Kante. They lost um, they lost a couple of other players. And then the year after, they lost Mares. And then you know the team. Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> Danny Drinkwater to Chelsea. Yeah. So they lost <laughs> they lost a few they lost a few players as they moved as they moved on from that title winning side. You got to remember they they finished fifth two years in a row. They actually bottled top four two years in a row, 
um, I think it was 2020 and 2021 where they bottled they bottled the top four. So they were still performing. And then they won an FA Cup during that year, the year that Chelsea beat us in the, in the final. They actually beat Chelsea in, in the FA Cup final before the Champions League final. Um, so Leicester have been a very good team and a very good recruitment team, but you could see how quickly they you get a couple transfers wrong or a couple moves wrong, and then suddenly the team is falling apart. You know, they had Schmeichel in, in goalkeeper. They get rid of him this season, and then their two replacements, stink. Yeah. They, they stink, and suddenly you're, 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 you're struggling. Even though you still got Vardy, you still got Iannaccio, you still got Barnes, you still got Madison, you still got these, some, some quality players in there, but you could see how quickly it changes by losing a few key players um, and the manager that they sacked Brendan Rodgers. Um, and suddenly things change very, very fast. And look, now they're relegated. They're playing the championship next season. Um, I know we've yeah, divided. That's the crazy part uh, no, is how good yeah. they are. Like, yeah, I know how, how many I know good players they have. Yeah, sorry. I know we've diverted a little bit to, to the reflection of yeah. the season already. But look, there's not much to talk about the two games, really. The two, the brighter the better. Yeah. Game. Yeah, uh, exactly. There's, there's really not a whole lot to talk about, you know. With Brentford, it was more of get Ake some minutes, get his legs back up under him. He looked fine. Um, Calvin Phillips looked a little better. What that means, none of us really know. Um, But at least he didn't look completely lost for once, so I guess (laughs) that's an improvement. Um, But overall, yeah, like it was was a a good way to end the season um, and – you know, we'll, we'll get into kind of a reflection of the season, but are you, I think my biggest surprise at least like halfway through the season at first city is that we finished the season. Like we won the league so early because in other seasons past where there was actually a title race with Liverpool, it was more of Liverpool got ahead city kind of caught them by February, early March. And then for the last two months of the season or so, it they were like neck and neck. Mm-hmm. And this was more of Arsenal was ahead for much longer. And then within a couple weeks, it's just Arsenal fell off a cliff and said he kept winning. And it just flipped from Arsenal being up maybe like eight points to City being up eight points. And it yeah, just it like 16 point swing. Yeah, just like with just so fast. And I thought that was at least if you're looking at it from when we were coming back from the World Cup, that's the biggest surprise for me. It wasn't really a surprise that City turned it around and made it a title race. I thought that they could do that. I thought the biggest surprise was just how comfortable it was, like that it didn't even go come close to the final day. Yeah, look, we, we went we went into the season um, the last week, sorry, not needing a win. We we literally went to the Chelsea game and then they gave us a guard of honor. <laughs> I never expected that. Um, so yeah, look for me, yeah, I actually around the January mark was saying transition season. It happens, you know. We won back to back before that, and you know my expectation around January February the way we were playing. Um, I didn't I didn't actually think we would actually turn it around and. Like, I thought we maybe would get close, maybe we'd pick up a bit of form. Um, but I never thought we'd actually go on a run because we we, we never had one. Like, in previous season, we'd go on, we'd win four or five in a row and then 
you know, drop points or drop three games in a row or something like that. And then and then we go, okay, we, we know we can win games very, uh, you know, a lot of games in a row. But this season, there was no evidence of it um, prior to us going on this massive run. Um, and it just looked very disjointed. We looked like, we look like we had issues with like rotations, with getting rid of some players like Cancelo, and I'm like, all right, it's whatever. It's it is what it is. It's a transition season. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, you know, we we brought in, we've changed the system, we've changed the way we play, but then it just clicked. It clicked around the February mark. You know, uh, uh, after the the Tottenham game, you know, some people are saying it could be attributed to the charges um, that dropped on City, the 115 charges. Um, other people have said it's just Pep losing it at his team and saying you need to play with you know we're almost out of time essentially so you either need to pick it up or you're not winning the league um and yeah they just kicked into form um which is i mean we did like i said we did it at a perfect time you know it's it's always good to hit form just before the champions league ties because you go into these games more confident um you're you're in rhythm you're in in you know so much so much more oomph when you go into those games so i, I was happy with that but yeah, for me, that's the, that is the biggest surprise. I, I never expected to go into this last week. Like Arsenal finished on eighty five point, eighty four points, right? So for us to lose and draw a game in the last two games and still finish five points clear of Arsenal, I never expected that. Never expected it. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I always thought we had to win out to win the league. That's what I thought. That, that was my attitude. Oh, I know. You kept saying yeah. that uh, there's no way Arsenal's going to drop many points. I'm like, yeah. They've yeah, never look, been in a title race. Yeah, but and they started, Rob Holdings playing center back. Yeah, but they started dropping points against teams they never should have dropped points again, like Southampton, West Ham, um, you know, being up 2-0 in multiple games and then dropping points. The Nottingham game, he rotated. And then what's, what's surprising for me is is they lack their ability to put the pressure on once they did fall behind. You know, it's, you know, a good title team for me or a good uh, mentality team is one that knows they're behind but can still apply the pressure on the other team. It's like it's like it's like a ping pong battle. You know, like you you, you hit it to the other side. Even though you're behind, you, you hit it to the other side and say, okay, now the ball's in your court. Can show me what you can do. Um, but Arsenal never did that to us. Once we went ahead, it was they just fell apart. Um, and that, that was the most surprising for me. And I think it's it's a byproduct of of me being used to Liverpool and the way they are, the way they played against us the last four or five years. Um, they would fall behind or even be ahead, but continue to win and apply the pressure with that with that strong mentality of, yeah, we can stay. We could, we match these guys. Arsenal had a defeatist attitude. Once once they fell behind, they just fell apart. Well, I think it's it's. I don't even know if I would call it defeatist. I just think that the Premier League is there's really no easy wins anymore. Like the the bottom teams are still good teams. So you can't drop your levels at all for a second. And I think Pep is the best in the world at getting his team to play a hundred percent every game. And Jurgen Klopp's really good at that too at Liverpool, like with how they've done in, in previous years. This team, like Arsenal is just so young. This is something they have to learn. And it's just not easy. Like there are just no gimmies. It's not like other leagues where, yeah, you know, look. if you're if you're Barcelona and you're playing Elche, yeah, you don't really have to worry about it. Like 
there we just talked about Leicester getting relegated and having four or five, six quality players. So you can't even drop your levels 1% and they can get you. And Arsenal, they're just they're just not used to it. Like they, they don't have that experience yet to just have that high of a level for the course of an entire season. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. So just looking a bit, bit more bit more in the season and the Premier League as a whole, um, do you think Liverpool is going to be back next season? I think it's going to depend on what they do this summer. That's think, That'll definitely be part of it because they have some work to do. I actually think they'll be back regardless. So I think I know they'll, they'll probably sign a midfielder, right? They have to because they're losing like four midfielders. So they're, they're bringing in a midfielder no matter what. But I think they'll be back. I think I think a lot of people don't realize how much injuries they had this season. Um, and it wasn't. Yeah, it but wasn't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feed into that BS because every time Liverpool don't do well, they just blame it on injuries. Well, at some point, you're either signing injury prone players or there's something wrong with your training staff because yeah, that's what they, they did a couple of years ago when they just chalked it up to well, Virgil got injured, so. Nah, you, I, I, I wouldn't say it was just Virgil getting injured that season. They had, they had a centre-back <laughs> crisis. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they had to play Jordan Henderson at centre-back. I get it. But at the same time, yeah. like, at the same time, when you can't just... I get it if it happens one season and it's a freak thing, but you can't. every time you don't perform, you can't just blame it on injuries. Every team gets injuries. And this year, I don't think they've gotten disproportionately more injuries than say city or arsenal or any other team. So I wouldn't blame their levels on injuries. I think like I, I you think, said, as long as I, they bring in a couple good midfielders, they should be back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this season they brought in a couple new players like Gakpo and Nunes, but what hurt them up front, I think was their, their players that used like that have played their season, right? Like Diaz and Yota were injured for most of the season. And I think that's what hurt them because it's like us, right? When, when we bring in wingers or strikers, they usually take time to adjust to our system. So for me, I look at their team and I say, okay, they had to bring in Nunes and play Gakpo a lot as well. Um, and they clearly weren't fully ready or up for it. You know, they, you can see them, you can see Gakpo picking up a little bit of form now. But if they had Diaz and Yota the entire season, I think they'd do a lot, lot better. Um, I don't know well, if they would have challenged. For, I don't know if they would have challenged for the title because I still think they had midfield issues because um, Thiago was always injured, etc. Um, but I still look at the team and I go, yeah, they probably would have done a lot better. And and you look back two seasons ago when they did have all those injuries, um, and then they went into the next season, they didn't really change their lineup much from the season prior. They they only brought I think Kanati in, and then they suddenly they were challenging on all fronts. You know, they won two cups. They went in the Champions League final. And they were challenging us all the way up to the end. Um, and I feel like a Klopp team maybe might might be a Klopp thing, a Klopp team with thing where it's too difficult for them to go year on year playing at that high intensity. So they have an off year in between. You know, and like you said, Pep's the best when it comes to managing the league in terms of consistency. You know, you look at his entire career, where it be at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, or at City, he just absolutely demolishes league titles. He, you know, at Bayern, he was getting 90-plus points, which is crazy because they've got a 34-game <laughs> um, season. Even though it's Bayern, you still you look at who Bayern's put in now with Tuchel, Nagelsmann. 
Um, they never hit those heights in the league. It's just a Pep thing. Um, and to compete with Pep, you've got to do that. But I feel like with Liverpool, they can't maintain that for four or five seasons in a row for whatever reason, whether it be depth or injury-prone players, etc. So I, I do think they'll be back next season. But they will, think- they'll, they will need a few players, but I think they will be back. They'll... they'll, they'll They'll be challenging us next season. They'll be, our, and probably they might even be our best challenges next season. So I think uh, you're uh, to me. You're being too nice on Liverpool. I think <laughs> the reason that this happens is because they're reactive in the transfer market and not proactive. Like they wait for something to go wrong and then they spend a bunch of money to fix it. And City is more proactive. Like City or. We see it every summer where they're constantly trying to change the squad because they know that that's what is needed to keep the levels high. Whereas Liverpool, they went into the season like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. And then turns out their midfield's all shit. Well, we all kind of knew that. And now it's like, oh, yeah, we need to go get two or three midfielders. Well, you should have known this before. And then the second part is, especially with Nunez, listen, all I heard from Liverpool last year is, oh, well, we don't have the luxury that City have to buy a 100 million pound player and keep him on the bench. Well, that's what you're going to get with Nunez now. So the fact that he sucks, I'm not giving that to him. Like, oh, he needs to learn for the first year because all we heard last year from Liverpool fans were, oh, well, if you're buying somebody for that much money, they should be Ballon d'Or competitors immediately. So that's what I'm going to give to them. That's what I'm going to give back to them. If you're buying somebody (laughs) for that much money, then he should be able to score you some goals. And I'm just, I do think they'll be much better next year. I think Jurgen Klopp is a very, very good coach. Um, It's going to depend on who they get. Like it looks like they're going to get McAllister. And I think he's a very good player. And so that's fine. What I think is weird is when they say, well, Tiago's old. We need to replace him. Tiago's or not Tiago, Fabinho. He's old and we need to replace him. We need another defensive midfielder. Fabinho is 29 years old. He's not old. No, so not. I, I'm not, I don't want to hear that. If you tell me like, oh yeah, we need to replace Jordan Henderson and Tiago. Fine. I get that. Or James Milner, whoever. But I personally, I do think they'll be back next year. Like it's Liverpool under Klopp. They'll, they'll be fine. Like yeah, I Gakpo agree. will play better. Nunez will play better. Luis Diaz is a very good player. Jota's really there to he's really there just as like a depth kind of guy. I don't think he'll ever jump up to like that world class like Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah. I don't think he'll do that, but yeah. he's there for depth and he's a solid player and does a good job. So yeah, Liverpool will be there. So here's a question. What is your biggest surprise looking back at it? from the very beginning of the season. Like, so before week one, you're looking at the season, you think this is how the season may play out. Now looking back, what is your biggest surprise? It's got to be Chelsea, right? So Chelsea went out and spent a bunch of money in the summer. Um, Still had two short at the time, which feels like ancient history at the moment. Um, So going into the season, I think last season they finished third. And then you say, okay, going to this season, they might challenge us for the title. They might be a challenger. They might be up there. You know, Tuchel had, would have had two seasons. Um, he started bringing players that he wanted. Um, and you just say, okay, 
maybe they'll kick on and and do something and it went horribly wrong in the other way like completely horrible in the wrong way you know for me i just looked at it and you just go what happened you know they ended up on 44 points and we 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 watched that's we watched city play them basically with a with our second string team essentially still um, beat them and still beat them and we looked a lot better than them which is scary They've got a lot of work to do after the season. I, look, I think they will be. I think they will bounce back. You know, Pochettino. It all depends what how Pochettino cleans up that team. But I do think they'll be back this season um, coming. But that for me is definitely the biggest surprise. Um, you know, for a team that's meant to be challenging for top four to end up at like thirteenth or twelfth with relegation form at almost forty points and changing their manager three times in the season or having three different managers starting the season. Um, yeah, I never, I never expected that for Chelsea. You know, you always, <laughs> it's Chelsea, right? It's chaos, but with a new owner, um, you know, you, you'd think they'd be a bit more timid, but Todd Bowley has no idea what he's doing it's by the looks of it. Um, you know, it's just, it's just vibes over there. <laughs> so so it's def- it, that was definitely my biggest surprise. So, what about you? Probably the same for me, but I need to choose something else. So (laughs) I am torn. Obviously, Chelsea's got to be the biggest one because, like you said, they were third place last year. They spent a bunch of money, and they have Thomas Tuchel, who's a very good coach. You'd think they would, you know, be in the mix at the very least. Um, So to me, if I'm not choosing Chelsea... It would be either Brighton being this good, or I think the other option would be. Um, it was just I'd in go, my head. You, you could go with what Spurs as well. You could go with Spurs. Uh, I mean, I've, Antonio Conte, he's a he's a ticking time bomb everywhere he goes. So yeah, I but can't he's say only, I'm surprised by that. Yeah, but he's only been there for a season, and they did sign a lot of players. They they signed Richarlison for sixty million. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's they they brought in some big players, but as well, they just fell apart. It, they basically beat City every season at home, and then they go do Spurs things and basically drop out of the top four again. I actually think if they lose Harry Kane this season, which from the latest reports. Levy says, I don't want to sell him because you can't replace a 100 million, 100 million pound player. And I just think you're an idiot. You're going to lose him in a year on, on a free and you're going to be in a worse position. But as soon as they lose Harry Kane, they are not making top four for a good five years. I believe yeah. they will they will struggle. Because they're a massive the shit four. show. They're an absolute shit show. And they'll, they will sh- no manager wants to go there because they know they're not going to get backed the way they need to and well, that mentality. and they're not and the uncertainty. Like, this uncertainty around around the team. Like they'll well. still spend money too, but it's like the recruitment is terrible, which is the opposite of how Tottenham used to be. Like Tottenham used to be the team that would have really good recruitment and get really good valuable players for cheap and be able to sell them on later. I disagree. And it's it's been the well. I mean, like they in the past they they had that a lot, like with. I if think you they look just under got lucky. Pochettino, 
Yeah, they I just don't got know lucky. if it was luck. It was a lot they of got lucky. players, though. They got they got lucky with so they sold Bale for like a hundred million pounds, and then they bought like seven players, and only two of those players that they bought worked out. Like so, like Lamella worked out a little bit, and Ericsson worked out right from those players that they bought. But even even if you go back to like Toby was good, you know they bought Kyle Walker fairly young in his career. Kyle Walker. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like most like, of them were like academy players that came up from very very young age, like Kyle Walker, Danny Rose. Um, Harry Kane, all these plays they had, but even so like got, Sun, Hyungmin so Sun, was a great signing. Like, yeah, yeah, they got they, 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 they got lucky. Recruitment. They got lucky, but everything else since then been terrible. Their recruitment. Well, that's has the been, thing is their recruitment's been terrible, and they've spent money. So it's, it's I, I feel like they kind of got the worst of it. Yeah, Spurs had a like a what is it like a midlife crisis type um, scenario for them after they sacked Pochettino. Um, they just didn't know what they wanted to be anymore. They went and signed Mourinho, and then they signed Nunes, and um, and then they signed Conte. Like they, they just didn't know what they wanted to be anymore. Um, yeah. You know, Spurs were known for being an attacking team, and you know, fluid football and all this stuff. What they what they've been playing the last couple of years? It's terrible. It's horrible to watch. Yeah, they they haven't had an identity, and that's yeah. I, I don't I don't think they've got problem. an identity. I actually think I actually think Spurs will not make top four for a good five years. There's no way they're making it top. I think Most Newcastle. Likely, yeah. I think Newcastle will replace Spurs as a big club in the top six, or the so, or, or or the traditional big six will become a traditional big seven eventually. So that's the I would say that's probably the other big surprise for me is Newcastle being this good this early, because yeah, I agree. They like. They've spent well last summer, but it's not like everybody thought they were going to come in and spend like a billion pounds in one summer. Obviously, can't, they can't. You do can't. That. You can't and do that anymore. I don't know why everyone expected it. And they didn't do that. Also, like they spent a decent amount of money and they spent it well. And even with the players they still have, like Eddie Howe has done really well with this team. Like there are still a lot of guys that were playing for relegation side. Newcastle under Steve Bruce. I don't think people realize that. Like, there's still a good amount of those guys, like Jacob Murphy playing really well. He's been on Newcastle for quite some time. You know, it's Fabian Cher, same thing. Like these, it's not like they just like got a brand new team full of massive superstars. They didn't. They built it well um, with good signings. Yeah, didn't spend an insane amount of money on anybody really, and. I think even Newcastle fans are kind of surprised and they're they're kind of ahead of schedule. I thought Newcastle probably expected Champions League in two to four years. And the fact that they did it in their first full year in charge of the club is uh, is huge for them. And they got to keep it up with the good signings. Like, it seems like they're really sort of going city's route and that. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're like they said, spend they money, they it. spend good money, and they have good recruitment. So it's kind of both, and so I, I think that's a big shock to me to see to see this project moving that quickly, where they didn't. It's not like they just spent a ton of money do to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and it comes down to smart recruitment, right? And and this is this is where it comes where people say, oh. You need to spend money. If you have money, you're gonna you're gonna be you, you're guaranteed success. No, Newcastle have spent money in the right areas at the right time. 
So they needed and a striker. Out too. Yeah, they needed a striker. They went and got um, Isak from um, Sorcery Dad. They spent a lot of money. Look, they've spent money. They've spent money. Don't get me wrong. They've spent a decent amount of money in the transfer window, but it's nothing like any other team has done. Um, and prior to them being bought, if you look at how much they used to spend, they were spending nothing. So they had money to spend, essentially. This, Mike Ashley was never never going to spend that money. He was just sitting on it, essentially, um, until he sold the club. Um, as long as he was just above the relegations, and he was happy to, to, to maintain what he was doing. Um and you look at you look at where they are now. It's just it's mental. But look, they are ahead of schedule. But it, it is because Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham have all underperformed this season from what their expectations were. No one thought Liverpool finished the season on sixty-seven points or whatever they finished on, right? Um, same thing with Chelsea. No one expected Chelsea to finish on forty-something points or Tottenham to finish on you know fifty-something points. Those are unexpected results, which allowed Newcastle to sneak into the top four very, very early and ahead of schedule. For me now, they've got a massive window coming up, right? Because they can they can offer players Champions League football. So they have to nail their recruitment because from this season, if they nail their recruitment, if they get some if they get two or three big players in, players that you would expect to go to a Liverpool or a Chelsea or a Spurs or a Arsenal, right? If if they can attract these type of players this season that would be huge. So they are they are that season in was it 2011 or 2012 for City where we got Yaya Toure, David Silva, we brought in these big name players right after we got Champions League football and Aguero, right? So it's they are there now already. And it will be very interesting to see who they recruit this summer and who they bring in because you know, look at their their team. Where do they, where do they need? Um, who where, where do they need? I'd say probably a midfielder, right? So they have to go after a midfielder, um, maybe a winger, uh, maybe a backup right back for Trippier. But maybe I'm a left back, a left back too. So like they've Dan, got a few, Dan Burn can't play left back for a permanent yeah. amount of time. They've got a, a few holes, but they're not big holes, right? And you look at their points total, points total, points total, and how they played at home this season. They're going to be a scary team coming up next season. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how they kick on and who they recruit. Because if they recruit well this season, right, and they get Champions League football again, it wouldn't surprise me if they're challenging for the title the year after that. I don't think they'll challenge for the title this season coming. I think it's too early for that. But you just never know, right? It's very high. Like no one thought Arsenal will be going for a league title this season. Um, so it can change very, very quickly. But if they get a couple recruit, it all depends on the players they get this season. If they get a couple big players in, woo, watch out for Depends Newcastle. on Eddie Howe too. Like, I don't yeah. know. I know Eddie Howe has done an incredible job, but has he done a good enough job to challenge Pep for a title? I don't know. Like That's, that's the thing. So that'll that's depend thing. on him and it'll depend on like, what if their levels drop next year and they sack him halfway through the season and I'll, get... I'll, our levels a very could drop good next coach. Season. Yeah, could drop like, next we season. we don't know. We we don't know. So I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if City if City don't win the title this next season. No team has done four in a row, right? So for us to do four in a row, we'll be breaking another record. In a way, it doesn't surprise me if Pep does break a record because that's what he does. Like almost every season, he breaks records. Um, but you know, winning three titles in a row is as difficult as it gets already. To win four in a row, 
you need things to go right for you next season. We need to get our recruitment right. Just, we're in the same boat as all these other teams. I, I compare us to Liverpool last season, right? Made all these, you know, almost won the league title, won two cups, was in a Champions League final, right? They didn't get their recruitment right in the summer and then suddenly they fall off, right? I feel like we're in a similar boat. We need to get our recruitment right in midfield. So it, there's so many variables that could happen next season um, that could change things uh, on how how things go. But like I said, I feel like we are still in that transition, which is which is good with inverted commas because um, <laughs> it's not really a transition season anymore. We, we, we kicked on from the mid, mid-season point. Um, so it's no longer a transition season. But we need to make sure we get the recruitment right because the team's going to be completely different next season, right? It looks like Gundogan's going to stay, but Bernardo might not. Laporte's going to be gone. Kinsella's going to be gone. All these players are changing. So Here's a question for you before we go into next season. What was What is the biggest surprise looking back at it from the beginning of season from a city perspective? Like, Looking at before week one, what how you thought City's season might go to right now? What's the biggest surprise to you? Oh, that's a tough, tough question. I don't think, like, I don't think there's actually any big surprises, right? So, I always expected I, Harland, I always expected Haaland to to kick on in terms of goals. You know, um, I always thought he'd. I used to, I watched him and I'm like this guy's a generational striker. He's gonna he's gonna come in. He is going to absolutely dominate. What I didn't expect from him would probably be you know, if I look back on week one, I didn't think he'd link up that quickly. I thought he'd need a season, um, but I thought he'd still get the goals. The other surprise is obviously the fullback situation. I'd never expected us to play without fullbacks by the end of the season, um, and to get rid of Cancelo, who was one of our best players over the last two seasons. Um, to be gone by January, that was a huge surprise. But yeah, that's where, that, like, from a city perspective, I, I always thought we'd challenge for the title. And then it was just about who, I always thought Liverpool would challenge us. So it was like, how we how we going to play while we're transitioning to a new system without the false nine? And are we going to maintain the form that we're used to while we have a Liverpool team that we know is so good? I think we're quite fortunate that Liverpool weren't good this season. Um, because if Liverpool started a season the way they normally do um, and get, you know, if they, if they did what Arsenal did, I don't think City would have chased Liverpool down because they know Liverpool would have maintained that form. So they would have just kind of, it would have been like a 2020 season where they, they might have given up um, a bit earlier um, just because it's like, it's like a, you just know, okay, that, that level of team is that good. They'll maintain that. Um, so I feel like it kind of helped us that Arsenal were the, were the title challenges this season. But otherwise, that's that's where my surprises lie for a city team. What about you? I have two. Um, the first one being Manuel Akanji. Yeah, I mean, who, that's a good like, one. Who would, I, I totally forgot about we Akanji. Signed him, <laughs> and I know we signed him for the fifteen one. million. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. signed him for fifteen million, but not. It's not just that we signed him for so little. It's that, like, we've seen him at Dortmund. You know, if you like, if you watch any Dortmund games, he usually plays like, and you think, well, nobody ever thought he was like a top top center back. You thought, eh, he's he's a decent center back. He plays for Dortmund, and that's all, right? And when we signed him, we just thought, okay, it's added depth on the back line. 
He's probably not going to play a ton, but it, it kind of reminded me of like when we first signed Nathan Ake. Like we signed Nathan Ake to be Laporte's backup, and that that was the intention. So that's kind of what I was expecting from Akanji because at the time we still had Cancelo, and he was our fifth center back. So essentially, you were like, yeah, he, he's just there for added depth in case a couple center backs get injured like last year. So that's what I, that's, I think what we were all expecting. And he looks like he fits in perfectly now. Like he's played all along the back line. He's played in basically every position and he's looked very good everywhere. Really good playing out from the back physically. He's got pace. He's big. He's strong. uh, He's very good on the ball. And he just, he gets more and more comfortable throughout the season too. Like, I think he's starting to, and I think we'll see it more next year. He's starting to get more comfortable, like making line breaking passes and really carrying the ball forward. I think he always had that in him, but he was just a little more hesitant because you don't want to lose the ball. But I think we will see him like on the ball, go to a level of like stones and Laporte. And yeah, I think he's been probably my biggest surprise. Second biggest Probably Alvarez, I would say. Really? Just because. Ah, so you're not putting the name that I thought you'd put then. <laughs> I, I say Alvarez because, again, you sign this guy from River Plate. You don't know how. Like, we knew he'd be good, but he's so good that, like, he's so good that he. He's so, if it, he's so if good if that Bayern Munich are con- yeah, He's so good that Bayern Munich are convinced they're going to sign him. Yeah, yeah that's just <laughs> a lie. But. If if City didn't sign Erling Holland, he scores at least thirty goals this season. Not in the Premier League, but throughout the whole season, scores at least thirty goals for City, easily, if not more. So yeah, like he would have been a top striker if we didn't sign her. And he's so good that he's forcing Pep to play two strikers together, and they play well together. Like they do have very different skill sets, so it works well together. But. He's essentially played like he's forced himself into the team so well that he's making Pep re- like find ways to get him in. And for just some signing from River Plate, I don't care how highly rated you are. Like if you you just don't know what you're getting when you're getting these guys from South America. And for him to come and immediately make that impact, I'd say that's probably the second most surprising, but we also knew he was promising. Like we knew that he was more. What was it like? You, you'd hear he was like basically the biggest guy to come out of South America since Neymar, and so we kind of knew he'd be good. I just didn't know he'd be this good this quickly. So yeah, I'd you, say that's probably second to Akanji. Yeah, you'd expect Alvarez to have like an adjustment period, but he he didn't he didn't really have an adjustment period. And look, I think I think. Pep might change the system again next season. Maybe we play without wingers next season. Maybe that's the thing. <laughs> this season, no fullbacks. Next season, no wingers. <laughs> you just go with a diamond with four midfielders and Alvarez and Harlan or something. <laughs> you know, you just don't know what he's going to do next season, honestly. And I wouldn't surprise me if Pep does change the system next season to fit in Alvarez because, like you said, he's, he's that good that he's kind of forcing Pep to put him into the team, you know. 
you know, maybe he's like, I've got to figure out how to play Kevin De Bruyne, Haaland, and Alvarez all at the same time. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we do something different next season just to fit him in. And it could, you know, and it's, it's, it's a bit of a headache for Pep because you've got all these talented players and it's like, how do I fit them all into a singular 11-man best lineup um, for the biggest games? You know, does Foden get back into the team next season for the biggest games? You know, I've said, I, I said, you know, once he got his injury, does Foden get back in to to the, the best 11? And at the moment, he won't get into the best 11, in my opinion, um, for the two biggest games of the season coming up. So you look at it and go, all right, next season, how do we get him and Foden in? Uh, in, in or oh, Alvarez and Foden, sorry. So how do we get both of them in with Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne? It's things yeah. you gotta, you got you to gotta try to figure out. And I think Pep will find a way to get them all in. Like I said, he might just go continue with the three centre back setup, and then just go no wingers, <laughs> go full midfielders, well, put Foden in midfielders, or put ha- Alvarez and Haaland up front, and go through straight through the middle. Who knows? Who knows what Pep's gonna do? So <laughs> that's that's the interesting thing is that like when you look at the way, especially we play in possession with the the three and the two and build up, is that we still defend in a four four two, so we still defend with fullbacks. Uh, what's interesting is like when you build up in the three two, like the three at the back is fairly wide, and mm-hmm. the two guys that are wide, which this year would be like Ake or Walker or Akanji, they push up very high. So it's almost like Pep is looking at those roles as almost a like hybrid center back slash fullback because that's kind of how it is. Like they're not just regular fullbacks. When you see Ake. When City go deep into a team's box, Ake is, like, on the edge of the box. And, and same with Walker. So, they, they play really high. It's I wouldn't just call it, like, oh, yeah, Pep's playing a bunch of center backs. I think it's more than that. And with City linked to Gavardiol next year, I know we're not really going to talk about transfers, but that's the same kind of role he would play. And he's re- really good in that role. So, I think it's more of Pep looking at these roles as more of hybrid roles rather than just traditional fullback roles because he he played 3-2 in build-up for much of like the last five years. It's, It's not super new. The difference is he would play one fullback inverted and another fullback as one of the wide players and... Now he's seen that he has such good center backs and he has these guys who can play more of a hybrid role because especially with the pace that they have and with Ake, with Walker, with Akanji, like they really can do that. So I think it's more of him kind of working with what he has and finding new roles for him. And it seems like he likes it so much that he might, just kind of look for players to fit these rules rather than find different types of players and find a different way of playing with them that way. Yeah. So, look, I, yeah. The, the three center back thing, I think it shows Pap, Pep's ability to adjust systems on the fly. Um, and which makes him probably one of the best managers of all time is he's changed his system. He does tweaks to his system. He still, he still plays with a possession based system. Um, but he tweaks his system every year to, and it basically affects other opponents. You know, you, you go into a team, into a game against City, and you say, okay, we know how they're going to play, but he changes it every year. And I think this 
this season with the three centre backs, Peps realised as well that we concede less. We in the big moments with, with three centre backs. So I think that's why I think he likes the system. It's just the, the, our ability to defend against big teams has become so much better um, than the past. You know, I'm 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 much much more confident. Uh, when you have two or three centre backs sitting on the on the halfway line, than when Cancelo was there or, or Zinchenko was there, um, you know you, you saw it against Brentford, right? You know Gomez got absolutely rinsed, and then they crossed the ball in, and then suddenly they're they're they've got a free shot on to, on goal, um, and that's what a traditional fullback can can happen to them because they're not as big, they're not as quick, etc. But with with the centre backs that we have. I'd say the other big surprise, which I thought you would mention, would be Nathan Aki, right? So Nathan Aki went from a backup player from last season who played limited minutes to a surefire starter on that left side. You know, I never thought Aki would essentially displace Laporte and keep Laporte out of the team to the point where Laporte wants to go to another team next season. I never thought I never thought that would happen. Um, so that's probably the other big surprise um, for me because Ake has just literally, the way he's played, you know, you can put him in not just the Premier League's team of the season. Um, he could be potentially one of the top three players of this season for City um, as a whole. And we've had some big performers this season. So for Ake to to be at the top of that list is a credit to himself. Um, and, you know, he took the chance that he got and he flew with it. You know, we. I want, Nathan, I want Nathan Ake to start the Champions League final. You know, I, I prefer. I think he I will. Prefer, yeah, I, look, I prefer Nathan Ake to start over Kyle Walker and, and still have Akanji and Diaz and Stones in. I'd prefer Ake to be in that final because I know he's a centre back in sitting on the wing who has speed, ability in the air, and then he has the ability to pass through lines as well. So, what else do you want from a from a backline player? So I. My honorable mention for that surprise, I thought you were going to say him, but you didn't, is Rico Lewis. Like, Rico Lewis, before the season, we didn't even know who he was. We thought, <laughs> oh, this guy, like, came, he came to a couple friendlies in America and scored that I'll, one goal against Bayern, was it? And he didn't, he didn't score. He almost scored, but I, that, that's what put him on the map for everyone. But I don't think anyone at any point ever expected him to start a single game this season. Yeah, everyone, like everyone, we thought Luke thought, Bolton would be good out of a couple <laughs> friendlies. So like Yeah, yeah, shit, exactly. Just, and I just thought, well, he'll he'll be a guy that we sell in a year or two for 15 million pounds and he'll go on his way and then he's starting <laughs> important games. Like you know Pep trusts him if he's starting those games over Joao Cancelo and he looks really good. And then even in these dead rubbers at the end of the year, he looks like one of the best players on the field for City. And for him to have that inverted role and be so good at it at 18 years and City's extending him. Yeah, City's extending him. And it looks like he's going to play for the club for the next 10 years. Never, ever in a million years. I did not think anybody from the academy would break through for quite some time. Yeah, look, it, 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 that was probably a pleasant surprise. That, you know, he wasn't really on anyone's radar. You know, whenever whenever one talks about um, academy players that had potential potential to break through the first team, it was always McAtee, um, Delap. Um, Everybody had, knew Foden when he Foden, was like fifteen. Foden, everyone knew would eventually break through. Um, you had Borges this season as well. Like, th- there were the names people were mentioning, 
Um, but Rico Lewis just flew under the radar. He got his chance. Pep gave him a chance. And he basically, you know, I think Rico Lewis's legacy this season would be he paved the way for the John Stones role, right? So John Stones obviously does it better than Lewis because he's, he's a better defender. Um, he's more confident. He's older. And, you know, he's a Rolls Royce in himself. Um, but he paved the way for us to play in that way. And then Pep basically, I guess, told Stones, go do what Lewis is doing, but just do it better. And that's what Stones did. So I think that's what Lewis brought to this season. And to do that at 18 in a Pep midfield, we know how difficult it is for players to play that defensive midfield role. You know, we've seen Rodri struggle for a year. I I remember people calling out Rodri saying, you know, go get another defensive midfielder. He's not good enough um, in that first season. So... It goes to show you how hard it is to adjust to a pep system. So for him to jump in at 18 years old and do what he did is crazy. You know, we 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 bought Calvin Phillips expecting him to do what Rico Lewis did this season, essentially. Um, but Rico Lewis is, in my opinion, a better player and a better fit. And and he'll, he'll like you said, he's he's 18 years old, so we could keep him for 10 years. And he's a city boy. You know, he he is a Manchester City born and bred player from the academy from a very young age. So, you know, it, it's... I love getting players like that to play for your team. You know, if, you know, if Foden and Lewis, and I hope Palmer does make it, I hope McAtee makes it, you know, uh, in this city team eventually. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always hard to know with these young players if they are going to, you know, you get, you get glimpses and then it's all about consistency. And you look at Palmer, the way he played against Brentford, right? Um his decision-making wasn't there, but that could be a rhythm thing. That could be a young age thing. You know, there was a few times where he could have passed to to Foden, who was doing some brilliant runs through, you know, one-twos, etc. But Palmer had his head down, not looking up, not not looking for the pass, looking to score. Um, and then you look, in, you look at him, how he's trying to score. Is he trying too hard? You can see all these things factor into these young, young players. Um, so for Lewis to do what he did um, at this age, yeah, Definitely, definitely, a, definitely an, a very good call out for a big surprise of the season. And it, it was I, I a, think it even was a, more so, I think even more so, it's that he gained Pep's trust. Like, I think Pep either trusts you or he doesn't. Yeah, and I agree. The fact that, like, Pep trusted him in Premier League games that weren't dead rubbers tells me that he, like, he really earned it. You have to earn it in practice. He's not, Pep's not just going to award you games and he earned it because you see it. If somebody's injured, if there's injuries and there's a hole in the team, Pep would rather play somebody he trusts out of position than go play somebody else. Right? So for example, when Joao Cancelo left and Nathan Ake's out rather than play Sergio Gomez at left back, he's playing Akanji at left back. So he would rather play someone he trusts way out of position. Or even when you look at, like, if Rodri needed a rest, Pep doesn't trust Calvin Phillips right now, clearly. So what did he do? He'd play Gundogan at the six. So he would rather play somebody out of position that he trusts than shoehorn somebody in that he doesn't trust. So the fact that Rico Lewis played in a lot of big games, that tells you, and not just that, Kept Joel Cancelo and Kyle Walker on the bench for some of them. 
I mean, that yeah. tells you all you need to know about the guy. Yeah. It, it basically, Rico Lewis getting doing what he did basically forced Cancelo out because Cancelo is a mad- madass who cannot doesn't doesn't know how to be a professional when the manager has lack of faith in you where you need to prove yourself. Um, and then, yeah, so basically Cancelo leaving is a byproduct of Rico Lewis's rise, I'd say, as well, which, you know, had a roll-on effect essentially um, for how that went. Look, I, th- I think I think we've covered enough um, of the season, by the way. I think we should jump into, um, obviously, the big FA Cup game coming up, you know, against some other small team from Manchester. Yeah, I think I've heard of this one before, right? <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, like I said before, I am glad we have an FA Cup final. Not just because we have a chance of winning a, a, a cup. I think it's very important to have a big game that matters a week before the Champions League final. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference for the way we want to approach things. Um, and I think now, with the way we've had rest for our players, we should be able to put a... Sh- our best 11 out, I'd say. I think all these niggle problems um, that we have with inverted will magically commas, disappear. Will, will magically disappear. disappear. Um, Grealish will stop drinking for this week. <laughs> so his alcohol poisoning will, be, will definitely be off. He, he, he should have ended his celebrations a week ago, but I'm, I'm sure he's still celebrating. Um, but yeah, look, he, we'll have our best starting 11 against Manchester United. Um yeah. The, the only for me the only question is obviously Ortega starting. Um and, and it's clear that Ortega's starting in the final based on him getting two games this week. Um to, to well, get yeah, a and it's rhythm. the FA Cup. It's the FA Cup. Like yeah, it's, Pep it's always fair plays the second keeper. Yeah, it's fair it's fair to him to have that game, I think. Um and he's performed well, so he deserves to start. And the only other players that I expect um where there might be question marks will either be um, Walker or, or Ake um, so it wouldn't surprise me if either of them start um, but Akanji, Diaz, Stones, Rodri, Bernardo, Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne, Haaland they're all starting they are all starting this game yeah and I think that one thing that's very encouraging is what Pep said after the Brighton game and that's that these guys responded really really well after winning the league just a couple days before they played yeah. really well at Brighton and he said that's like that's that's a legitimate fear too. Like, do you remember when Liverpool won the league and we were their first game after they won the league and we battered them for nothing? Like they, <laughs> yep. It's because it makes sense. Like they they, they literally look drunk on the field. <laughs> yeah, so it makes sense. And so to earn Pep's praise enough to, that they they're like, yeah, we won the title and. Let's let's keep going. It's definitely not over. I, I expect them to play very strong in yeah. and, in the and FA a, Cup final. Yeah, it's a it's a byproduct of us having two games that matter. Um, and I don't think Pep is the type of manager to let a player play half ass just because we've got two finals coming up. If he's picked, you got to perform. Um, otherwise, you could potentially lose your spot in the final. So. For them, for, for the players against Brighton, they still had to put a shift in, right? And and you don't like you don't want to you you don't want to play half ass because that's it's probably more risky to, in a way to get injuries that way. Um, but so for me, heading to this FA Cup final, I'm semi confident. I'd say I think we should 
beat Manchester United. Um, it is a derby, so you just you just and don't they know. they won't be at their best either. City play well at Wembley because it's a big pitch, which benefits City. Um, yeah, but also like Anthony, their starting right wing will be out. Sancho will probably play in that position, is my guess. And he, we all know, he hasn't really done too well since playing at United. So there's that. Luke Shaw may be back. We don't know. I, I, know he I think he's injury, back. But no, I'm he's sure back. he'll be back. He's back. He, um, he was pictured. He was pictured in training playing. Um, he probably just didn't go risk. I, I don't know if he played against Fulham, but they, they wouldn't want to risk him. Um, yeah. So Luke Shaw's back, but even Lissandra Martinez is not. He's out for the season, so they have to play Lindelof. So, so they're playing. They're playing Lindelof and Varane. Um, yeah, and then, so it's not their strongest, strongest eleven. And honestly, like I think the last time City played them was kind of a fluke, and they're going to be yeah. up for this. Like they look, are going I, to be up for this big time. Yeah, Len. Look, we don't do well away from home um, this season. I think. I think I was reading a stat this morning. We have one win in against the top nine in the Premier League away from home, um, and in all the Champions League five, uh, all the Champions League games, we've only won one game away against Sevilla, which was the start of the season, which is a bit concerning because obviously the, the two finals are, are away from home, but they are neutral venues, so yeah, yeah, that's not the same. <laughs> maybe maybe we, maybe we get half of the Etihad uh, vibe <laughs> in a neutral game. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not going to be the same. Um, but yeah, it's a derby. Anything can happen. I the only, the only thing that really worries me is, you know, the intensity of United. Obviously, in a derby game, I had a United friend saying to me, "He's like, I hope we just go in leg smashing, and the, the City players get scared in terms of like, um." you know, get scared in terms of getting injuries for the Champions League final and they don't play as, as intense. But look, it's a final against against Manchester United. They have to go in. They're going to play like it's the last game. And that's that's how yeah, I expect Yeah, and United's play. not going to play like that either. Like, they're, yeah. like the they're coach not by Eric cards. Ten Hag. They're not coached yeah. by Sam Allardyce. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Like they're, they're not going to risk red cards in a big game like that. So, for me, for me, it all comes down to the day and how we... Like I said, anything could happen in a one-off game, and it's it's going to be the same thing for the for the game against um, Inter. Um, I agree. What what makes me optimistic is in ever in all of the biggest games this year, City has performed exceptional. Like they've I agree. in every single big game, we've smashed the opponent, and so I agree. I, and, I and, wouldn't expect anything different from this team. Yeah, and and a lot of people said, oh, you know, United beat us before. That city team is a lot different to this city team. We we play very differently. We set up differently. We have a lot more confidence, um, and we've proved that when it comes to these big games now, we know how to execute. So, um, I would be very surprised if we go into the game flat. That that would be my biggest worry. Um, you know, like DS wouldn't have played. I think for like three weeks by the time he plays the FA Cup final. Um, so they're my only concerns, you know, just get the rust off nice and early. But within a few minutes of the game starting, I'm sure we'll just kick into gear and do what we do best. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I I have full faith in this team to go out and perform how they've been performing. Do you have a score prediction for it? Give me 
three nil city. Wow, three nil. Interesting. I'm gonna go three one city. I think I think United do get a goal. Um but I think we're the ones that impose ourselves in the game nice and early. United will try counter, I think, in the first 10, 15 minutes where we do where we do yeah, try to do Yeah, they're not good thing. enough to play possession with us. No, nah, although Eric Ten Hag would want to, you know, <laughs> having De Gea in goal is just basically a liability in terms of playing out from the back. So I expect them to start going long straight, off, straight away and they'll try to find Rashford on a break or something, which is why maybe Kyle Walker might start um, just to just to m- match up with Rashford, although Rashford is a little bit bigger than Walker, so he might put a centre back there. Who knows? But for me, I expect us to impose ourselves, get two goals within the first forty-five minutes, um, probably the first thirty minutes even, um, and then we will just kick on from there. Get a third, maybe they, they'll get a they'll get a goal, consolation goal at the end to make it three-one. That's how I expect the game to go. But I, I expect us to just literally impose ourselves on that game. We are the better team. We've when we played him at the Etihad, we absolutely played him off the park in that first 45 minutes. So I, I expect us to come out similar to that, but obviously different now because we play different. But kind of how we went against Madrid and Bayern and um, Arsenal in those first 10 to 20 minutes in these big games, I expect us to come out guns blazing against them and just take the game to them essentially. But like I said, it is an FA Cup final against against your against our biggest rival, I'd say. Um, so anything can happen. <laughs> that's that's how these games go. It's it's weird. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm so excited for it. I'm excited to, for a game that actually matters. Feels yeah. like it's been forever. It does. Eh? It does. And look, at the end of the season, it's just crazy. We only got two games left. Um, but I really, really, really want this trouble. I'm dying for it, man. It's uh, it, it's it's legacy building stuff. We are the best team. One of the best teams we've ever seen. So I want us to get the treble to just solidify it so we can remember this team for for actually how good it is. You know, it's it's yep. it's like it's like Liverpool last season. Everyone's like, this could be the greatest team of all time if they win everything, but they didn't win everything. So suddenly you're not the best team of all time. You're not you're not gonna be in this conversation. It's gonna be a footnote. I don't want this city team to be a footnote, although it won't be because they did win three in a row, which is which is always fantastic. But in terms of this season and this team, they deserve that treble. But they, like I said, they got to execute it. They just got to go out and do it now. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. I uh, will be watching it straight away, and I'm sure we'll do a pod right after, um, regardless of the result. And then we've got the Champions League final right after that. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Looking forward to it, man. All, All right, right, let's wrap up. Let's wrap this thing up. Have a good rest of your week, everyone. And uh, we will see you after the FA Cup. Hopefully a win against the Rags. Hopefully. See you. see you guys. Thanks for listening. And keep the nerves in check for this next couple of weeks. Try keep the stress levels as low as possible. My stress levels are through the roof already. See, see ya. Goodbye.